Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Show, and I've got my two uh, buddies with me here from LettermanRoad.com. Anders, you know him as Andy Backstrom, and Spencer, you know him as Spence Holbrook. No. Uh, welcome back to the uh, to the Tim May Show. This is sort of like a, a McLaren F1. The driver's seat is in the middle. And I've got you two guys sitting in the seats on the side. It was a novel concept. That's always been my dream car. But I digress. Let's get right to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Ohio State's coming off a 37-17 victory over Game Maryland. Is that is that a correct term? Game? A Game Maryland team that was feeling pretty good coming in undefeated. Bottom line is Ohio State's now headed to the pothole known as Purdue. Correct? Yes. You can't st- – you can't uh, – you can't spell uh, pothole without the P. We all know what happened over there in 2018. We're not going to really, uh, we're not going to really delve on that too much. But the bottom line, this Ohio State football team is riding high, number three in the polls right now, with a lot of improvement it can do offensively, especially uh, in the running game. But defensively, a much better football team than it was uh, this time a year ago. Much better defense and. Uh, you know, they're only taking it game by game, but this defense is really coming on for Ohio State. And now they're really, they have dived into the meat of the Big Ten schedule. Uh, like I said, with the upcoming trip to Purdue. But I just wanted to get you fellas take real quick. We've got a, I've got three guests on this show this week that I recorded late last week. It was the three uh, former Ohio State football players who were inducted into the Ohio State uh, Athletic Hall of Fame. Uh, Nick Mangold, former center, former All-Pro for uh, the New York Jets, Malcolm Jenkins, 
former defensive back, cornerback for Ohio State, and a former All-Pro, longtime pro in the National Football League with a couple of teams. And then uh, Rick Middleton, uh, one of the linebackers, basically uh, as good a linebacker as there was on that team that year. And yeah, that included uh, Randy Gratishar, that group. But in 1973, they had their 50-year reunion. I got to speak to that group uh, this past week. I found it to be quite an honor because Woody Hayes thought that was his best overall team. And uh, if not for that 10-10 tie with Michigan in the game, that probably would have been the na a national championship team. Might have been Woody's last national championship team uh, because he didn't have another one after that. But, uh, but the bottom line is I got to talk to Rick Middleton, uh, who went on from being a star at Ohio State to being a longtime school teacher, especially I think it's in the old Tansy school system. But uh, he had a lot of interesting things to say about his team and about the current state of affairs. Uh, we'll get to those uh, interviews in a moment, fellas. But I just wanted to get your take right now. You know, we have a long video we do every Monday right here in Ohio Stadium. Matter of fact, we're recording this, Truth in Advertising, right after we did that one. So let's don't cover a lot of the common ground there. But I just want to get your take on, is Ohio State, don't, don't dissect the team for me, but at this moment in time, is Ohio State the legit number three team in the country? Start with you, Spence. No, I don't think so. I think it's a top six team. I don't think it's the number three team in the country, but it's five and oh. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that this team can hang with anybody, but I don't know if I would put them at number three at this point in time. Okay, who, who, would, be your top, who would be your top three in the country? Uh, Michigan, Georgia, Florida State, and then Washington at four. And then I'd probably have Ohio State at five. And who would you have at six? Oklahoma? Probably Oklahoma. Okay, uh, Anders, call me Andy Backstrom. What's, is Ohio State a, the legit number three team in the country? I'd say so, yeah, I think so. Because look, they've, they started at three before the season started. Now they're back to three after climbing the pole two of the last three weeks. They've won all of their games. And they've, you know, the one marquee game they had was against Notre Dame on the road in that environment. I know Notre Dame maybe is not as good as we thought it could be, but it's still a tough game to win. I still think that's going to be a game that we look back on and say that's still a good win no matter how Notre Dame finishes this season. There's something to be said about that point in time. Notre Dame was undefeated. That was in South Bend. And I just think that there are not many of the other teams in the country right now that are better than Ohio State. They passed up Texas because Texas loses this past weekend in the Red River Showdown. Texas had beaten Alabama, but Alabama, we don't know how good Alabama is. Georgia, yeah, they beat down in Kentucky, but we were talking about how good is Georgia, and their upset was on uh, alert there for this yeah. past weekend. And Florida State, especially mentioned, like I agree, they're a very good team. I even said that they could win national title this year. But hey, look, they almost lost to Clemson. They almost lost to Boston College. So every team has had their hiccups so far. Ohio State's undefeated. They've done what has been asked. I think they deserve to be at number three right now. Yeah, you know, if I was just taking games, uh, just on the games that have been played so far, I would, despite what Florida State struggled uh, in a couple of games, uh, Florida State would be a, my number one team based on who they've beaten so far. I think they've got the two best wins, in my opinion, as a, as a, uh, you know, as as twins. They've got the two best wins out there uh, at this moment. Georgia, I had them down just basically because they hadn't played anybody. I had them on upset alert this week also, and they. You talk about a hot start. You know, we talked yesterday uh, about mm -hmm. Ohio State and its lack of a hot start the last several weeks. Uh, Georgia was exactly the opposite. When everybody's doubting them, they went out and snowplowed Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky wearing the all-white, get it? They snowplowed 
Kentucky. Uh, I don't know why I have to explain my jokes. They're not even funny to begin with, but I digress. You know, and, uh, and then Oklahoma, man, Oklahoma had a hell of a win on Saturday. They beat, I didn't, I, I really thought Texas would, it'd be a close affair and then Texas would run away with it in the second half. And it was exactly the opposite of that. So if I had to have a, uh, a top four, I think Ohio State would be in my top four right now. That, those would be my, my, my uh, top three teams, would be Florida State, uh, Georgia, and uh, Oklahoma, just based on that victory. Because I think Oklahoma's victory was over a better team than Ohio State's best win is over so far, which is Notre Dame. And I'm not just judging Notre Dame based on the fact it got beat, got upset by Louisville at Louisville on Saturday night. That's a gauntlet they ran with Ohio State, Duke, at Duke at 7.30 or at prime time and at Louisville in prime time. That place was frenzied, that stadium down there. And uh, so I'm not holding that so much against Notre Dame, but uh, boy, when it needed offense the most, it didn't get it. Ohio State, when it needed offense the most at Notre Dame, it got it. When it needed it the most against Maryland this past weekend, it got it in spades. I mean, Cal McCord, slow start, ends up throwing for a career high 320 yards. Uh, the defense is playing, in my opinion, so much more competently and confidently than it was this time a year ago. I, I, I think this is a really good Ohio State team. And as we covered ad nauseum really on Monday, they got to get this offensive line figured out, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Let's don't go into depth on that, but I'm do, not, I'm do you not think gonna it's go possible depth. to get it figured out? It's possible, yeah, but that's what's holding me back from putting this team up there with the other top contenders. What do you need the most to win a national championship? Offensive line. Florida State's offensive line is the, the best aspect of its offense right now. Michigan's offensive line speaks for itself. Georgia's offensive line can move people. This unit right now can't move people, and I think that's the biggest issue that I have with this team right now, and I think it's what's going to hold it back until it can figure out or prove to me that it can do it despite of, of interesting offensive line play. Yeah, what he just said is they haven't yet put out an advertisement five men in a truck, right? Yeah. I mean, that's they, they, they couldn't stand behind that, right? I mean, what do you think, uh, and, Andrew? I mean, excuse me, Andy. See, his name is not Andrew, it's Anders, but he yeah. goes by Andy. And of course, my brain works in a very weird way. Go ahead, Anders. Well, I think it's funny because we were talking all about like the quarterback sneak early in the week, leading up to Maryland, yeah, getting a push there. They can't get a push in a normal push, run push. play. So, yeah. uh, no, I think that something's got to change, whether it's personnel. I, I personally don't believe it's going to be personnel. I think you're too far into the season to do that at this point. Um, so if it's not personnel, what are you changing? Is it scheme? Is it going more to a man-to-man -man scheme than the zone scheme that they like to run here? Or are you shifting something in, in terms of lying more on the pass? Maybe you're 60-40 and just trying to be 50-50. Like, yeah. how are you going to account for that? I think that you got to do something different because you keep trying the same thing over and over again. Now we're five games in, and at a certain point, you have to kind of not admit your losses, but say, what are we strong set, and how can we benefit off of that? Yeah. Stir the drink. You got to now start sipping it and figure out exactly: is this the taste you want? Are, yeah. are you going to add something? It's getting very interesting. Uh, and by the way, speaking of adding something, uh, recipes—that's a bad segue. But uh, you know, we have a sponsored once a month on here, Hello Fresh, uh, which will deliver uh, basically ready-to-cook meals to your doorstep. Hello Fresh. I think you guys have enjoyed those meals, haven't you? I know I have. Yeah. Uh, and. Uh, you know, my wife really enjoys it because she doesn't have to go out and do like little piecemeal shopping for little special ingredients, which really, in my opinion, set the HelloFresh meals apart. 
that little sauce that you don't get when you're just cooking on your own, you know, and uh, getting, uh, getting, getting some things together on a, uh, on a, on a Thursday night. HelloFresh comes with all the ingredients there, with the exception, of course, of oil, cooking oil, butter, uh, water, and milk. But you can add those. If you don't have those on hand, then uh, maybe you need to revamp your shopping style. But the, the convenience that that brings on a, on a weeknight in the fall when you've got maybe football stories on your mind, football videos on your mind like we do, or, or watching football like most fans do, HelloFresh delivers the goods right to your door. All you've got to do is take 20, 25 minutes to put it together and, uh, and serve it up and try to copy, you know, the way it looks on the little forms it comes with. It not only comes with the ingredients and tells you what's in the box, etc., but it comes on the backside with a step-by-step -step instructions of how to cook these meals. And man, near the end of the cooking part, usually my wife does that because she's doting on me, because I am 69, of course. Uh, I am a trophy husband, right? Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, boy, the smell of the aromas that fill the house are just, uh, you can't wait to sit down and have that meal. And uh, remember this also, that uh, uh, if you are, uh, if you get on HelloFresh, and I'm, I'm trying to call up the, uh, the, the thing right now, if you get on HelloFresh, you go to hellofresh.com slash 50timmay, that's 50-T-I-M-M-A-Y, and you make a purchase, you get 50% off that first purchase. That's a hell of a deal, fellas. And Andrews, you're, you're single. You'd go for something like that, couldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We got a late night in the Woody. Yeah. Makes it easy. Yeah, makes it easy. 20 minutes later, you're, you're eating a, a gourmet meal. But remember, it's HelloFresh.com slash 50TimMay. That's 50-T-I-M-M-A-Y for 50% off that purchase. You won't go wrong. I know my wife and I have truly enjoyed those meals. And speaking of enjoying things, like I said a while ago, fellas, we're headed to Purdue. Uh, 2018, that's gonna come up a lot. We know who's gonna bring it up. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's gonna come up a lot because yeah. Ohio State had no, what was that, what was that uh, wide receiver running back kid that um, went crazy? Had no- uh, Rondale Moore. Rondale Moore, who's still making people miss. Had no idea about tackling this guy. I swear Purdue could have scored 80 points. Speaking of a bad Ohio State defense was 2018. Uh, Ohio State goes there now Obviously, Purdue's under new management because uh, Jeff Brown moved on to his alma mater, Louisville. But this is a team that's two and four. Um, we'll get into how dangerous it could be in a minute. No, let's do it right now. How dangerous can Purdue be on Saturday at high noon uh, in West Lafayette, Ross Aid Stadium? Can we go to Andy first on this? Let's go to Andy first. I mean, I think it's a good thing that it's at noon for Ohio State. Like, if this was a night game, maybe you're a little bit concerned, but I don't think, regardless, you should be very concerned about this game. Uh, not that you can overlook any game, but I think that, I mean, Maryland was a significantly bigger threat than Purdue is. The one thing you gotta be on watch for is that they do get Penn State back in here for the biggest home game of the season the following week. So there's always the risk of like looking ahead almost. I just don't think that Ohio State is a team right now that's gonna be doing that. There's a lot that still needs to be fixed. If so we just mentioned the offensive line, it's not like everything's rainbows and butterflies right now here. I mean, they are 5-0, and but as Spencer mentioned, like there are things they need to get fixed right now. Rainbows and butterflies. Tim? Uh, yeah, bottom line is first year I started covering Ohio State full-time was 1984. Ohio State goes over to Purdue. Weird things happened. Uh, weird, weird things happened. 
Uh, Mike Tomczak throws the ball out of bounds on fourth down to stop the clock. Um, claim the downs marker had not flipped over to fourth down. Bottom line is Ohio State gets upset there. Uh, what was his name? Jim Everett was the quarterback, etc. cetera. Uh, 1988, Fred Akers, first time, uh, first year head coach at Purdue after being the head coach at Texas. Purdue comes into this, into this stadium and up, I don't know if upset's the right word. That was John Cooper's first year. The cupboard was not bare, but boy, it was slim pickings. It wasn't like getting a Hello Fresh meal. Let's put it that way. When when John Cooper showed up and uh, gets upset, we all know about Holy Buckeye in 2002. Uh, Purdue gave every, Ohio State everything it could hope for. Ohio State ends up having to throw a pass into the wind to Michael Jenkins, Craig Krenzel, Michael Jenkins to pull that game out, the Holy Buckeye game. And then right on down the line, we you know there have been upsets over there uh, since then, 2011. Uh, that was the game that really, really cemented that Ohio State was not going to stick with Luke Fickle. Whether Ohio State administrators made up their mind or not, uh, it didn't matter after that point. Uh, they immediately turned their focus to uh, luring uh, uh, Urban Meyer out of, I called it sabbatical. I think he called it retirement, but they lured him out. And uh, after, that up, after that win by Purdue over there, a game that Ohio State could have won. And of course, we know what happened in 2018, for example, over there, it's, it's a weird place. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it's always been a strange place for Ohio State to play. So what's your take, Spence? Yeah, um, the Ohio resident, the guy who's watched Ohio State his entire life, not just adult life, uh, the 2002 team is the first team I remember. Um, and ever since then, Purdue has been an absolute house of horrors for this program. Um, there's no other way to put it. There's no way to sugarcoat it. This program, for whatever reason, <clears throat> there are just demons in the walls of that building, Tim. And Ohio State fans have no reason to be terrified of a two and four Purdue team, of a team that can't really assemble anything. If, if its offense is playing well, its defense is playing poorly. If its defense is playing well, its offense is playing. But you just can't go over there and feel good about yourself until no. the fourth quarter ends and you've got to win because that place is terrifying for Ohio State fans. And I understand that. Yeah. Um, the 2018 game uh, was my senior year of college. Uh, you think it's just going to be a normal game that you sit down to watch the Buckeyes? And it's just not. And yeah. I don't know how else to explain it, Tim, but um, I'm not going to have Ohio State fans like feeling worried about this week, but they're going to feel worried no matter what we say because that's just what Ohio State at Purdue is. Yeah, and the bottom line is, like 2018, all we talked about, Oh, I mean, almost all summer and all year was that looked like a that looked like a possible I call them pothole games for Ohio State, and lo and behold, it became one. Yep. You know, I mean, there was there was there was no excuse for not know you know for the players and coaches not knowing what what everybody else felt about that game, but boy, it did not it it went it was the opposite of coming together. It was it was a it was the, exactly the thing of falling apart for that team and. Uh, it was really interesting that that team ended up still going to the Rose Bowl <laughs> yeah. and winning the Rose Bowl, the last Ohio State game uh, as head coach for Urban Meyer. But, but, but boy, just when you think you've got these uh, pothole games uh, figured out, they happen. And by, but by the way, Ohio State usually gets good representation at those games. And that's uh, why, it, but Tim, that's what makes it so weird. It's like Ohio State usually outnumbers Purdue fans in that stadium. Yeah. Ohio State usually uh, goes should over be there the case this year, and you know has the crowd advantage, has the 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 spark it needs on its side, 
and it still just doesn't seem to matter yeah. over there. I know, it's weird. And by the way, if you still want to go to that game, right? There if you haven't go. bought your tickets for that game, uh, gametime.co, the GameTime app, that's the place to go. Isn't that right, Spence? Yes. Because there will be tickets available uh, probably at reasonable prices. Uh, I haven't looked them up today. And if my phone hadn't gone dead, I'd look them up right now for you. But the bottom line is there are tickets available. Uh, game time, the game time app, man, is the place to go for all kinds of reasons. But number one, you will you will get what they think is the lowest ticket. You can you have get in prices there that are quite reasonable for almost any game Ohio State plays. And if you find a ticket on another site, after you've made your purchase at Game Time on the Game Time app or GameTime.co, if you find a, a ticket on another site in the same aisle or, or excuse me, the same row, or the same section, uh, basically a comparable ticket. Game time will refund 110% of the difference between those two prices. Terms apply. Oh, obviously, terms always apply, ladies and gentlemen. You know that. But, uh, but the but the bottom line is, the Game Time app is the place to go for any of your late minute uh, ticket uh, requests, whether it's for a concert. Don't bring up little baby again, because I, in truth in advertising, I never went to that concert. But well, then uh, you lied to me, Tim. <laughs> I know I did, but I did have that pack of that pack of diapers. That was for my grandson. But the bottom line is, uh, it is the place to go for anything, and including parking passes, whatever you're searching for. The Game Time app, GameTime.co, that has proven to be the place to go. It's the fastest, it's the fastest growing uh, after-ticket market site in the country. The Game Time app, GameTime.co. Yo. And uh, and by the way, if you go on there and you 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 type in Buckeyes, the promo the, code, the promo code Buckeyes. You get what? What do you get off? You get $20 off your first purchase. That's pretty damn good, isn't it, Andy? Absolutely. You're a single guy. You're looking to always to save money. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, $20 off your first purchase if you type in the promo code Buckeyes. B-U-C-K-E-Y-E-S, Buckeyes. Uh, and, and don't forget about the guarantee, about the refund of the difference in prices if you find a comparable ticket in the same area on another site. They will refund you 110% of the difference. That's Game Time, the Game Time app, GameTime.co. It's hard to say that two times, three times in a row, but I think I got it done. What do you think, Spence? You've got to say GameTime.co two times in a row. There you go. And here we go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to, let's get to my uh, interviews I did the other night at the Hall of Fame induction uh, dinner. It was, it was pretty cool. There were athletes there from all kinds of sports around Ohio, but you know we kind of center on from Ohio State, but we kind of center on football here. And with these three guys, it wasn't hard to do. I mean, Malcolm Jenkins and Nick Mangold are two of my favorite guys I ever covered. And Rick Middleton, I've talked to him before, but Rick Middleton is just a great fella. He and I are about basically the same age. Uh, we had uh, comparable uh, tastes on things. And as he pointed out, you know, that 1973 team that I got to talk to, they have 14 members. 14 members from that team are in the Ohio State Athletic Hall of Fame. Jeez. That speaks loudly. But first, let's get to my conversation, or our conversation. There were a couple other guys there, too, while we were talking to these fellas. Let's get to the conversation with Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm, what, is, what does this honor mean to you, to Ohio State Hall of Fame? Yeah, I mean, it means a lot. I didn't really, you know, have plans or dreams of, you know, making it this far. I didn't even think I'd play college football growing up. So. You know, to be honored in this kind of way is, is kind of surreal for me. Yeah, and uh, when when you got the when you got the news, did 
did you always in the back of your head think I might be in that eventually or did uh, does it even cross your mind? Uh, you know, I, I was just in a different frame of mind. It actually kind of caught me off guard, especially um, like I just retired. So, yeah. you know, I wasn't really expecting that to, to come this soon. Uh, especially thinking about guys like Nick Mango, you know, who's, who's just getting. So it's a it's a huge honor. You know, yeah. it definitely caught me by surprise. What did you? What is the biggest benefit you got? You know, these are classic question, but it's, you you usually have good answers. What's the biggest benefit you got from being here those years, from playing on the teams you did, that still is still with you? Oh, I mean, I think I learned the majority of you know who I am as a man here. You know, yeah. specifically under football program and, and Jim Trestle. Uh, a lot of the lessons I, you know, I've learned here, I've stood on later in life that blossomed into a great career uh, and some other impactful things. So Ohio State was definitely that launching point. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's proud to still even come back and be recognized for that. You know, I think most people who followed you, yeah, you played football, but you're trying to make a difference yeah, in life. I mean, yeah, you, you understand what I'm part. saying? Yeah. yeah. Football's uh, a small part of the story. Um, but it's a significant part, you know, of how, to, how football has changed me, and I've used football to kind of change the world. So, in, in, in my own capacity. So, what's next for you in 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 the, in the uh, aspect of changing the world? Man, so I just wrote a book, uh, my own memoir, um, really recapping the last chapter of my life and just forecasting to the you know forward that is a little bit unknown, getting away from the game a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, have business and in the entrepreneur, you know, entrepreneurial things I'm doing, the philanthropy I've been doing. Those will continue, uh, but I think these, you know, storytelling is kind of where I'm, where I am now. Not only writing a book, but creating films, documentaries, things like that. Yeah. What is the what is the one wrong or whatever in the world you would like to see, righted before you're done? Um, you know, I know it's a leading question, yeah, but you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't. I think there, for every right you put into the world, it's going to be a new wrong that comes. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not about really. Um, eradicating wrong in the world. I think it's just about motivating people to do their part. That's really, you yeah. know, where, where I am. It's uh, by example, trying to lead with love and, and really motivate people to, you know, find themselves, find what they're good at, find their purposes in, in life. Uh, and, and if we all operate in our purpose, the majority of those wrongs will put themselves up. We have an obligatory question we have to ask. Questions. What do you think about this football team this year? Have you gotten to watch it at all? Have you gotten to watch it much? And well, I watch it a little bit. I, yeah. I think, you know, we. I think this is going to be a team that's, that's going to play in a lot of competitive games. I don't think they're going to blow anybody out of the water, uh, especially when it gets to those those um, really big teams. But I think they got the talent to play with anybody in the country, which is, which is exciting. So you want to just see them get better and better each week. I think the defense plays well. They definitely got players, a lot of quarterbacks playing well. Um, so yeah, we'll just see how it goes. It, you know, it's only one game we're really watching first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get past that. And have they fixed? Have they fixed the secondary? In your opinion, have you seen enough of that? Because you know what went on to, at the end of the year last year. Yeah, yeah. but I haven't watched enough to, to really comment on, yeah. uh, on the secondary this year. But I mean, so far they're, they're winning, and that's that's really all that matters. You know, I, it's, I say the same thing all the time. As long as you're winning and still have things to correct, that's always where you want to be. Do you have a favorite memory from your time here, whether it be a play or a game? I think my favorite memory is probably the 06 Michigan game, just because of the stakes. Like, not being from Ohio, that was, you know, that atmosphere was kind of surreal for me. Yeah. Um, and then for it to be Troy's senior day and all the things that went into it, obviously leave as the last time to feel was grass, all those things. It was just an amazing moment. You know, Malcolm Jenkins played in the NFL so long and played at such a high level. 
what a remarkable football player he was, but he's a remarkable person with all the irons he's got in the fire in terms of, in essence, fighting for civil rights for some to his own uh, business uh, ventures. Uh, he's a remarkable guy, isn't he, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Anders. <laughs> absolutely, Tim. Like, I think, you know, being from Philadelphia, I know all right. my friends from home love him as a Philadelphia Eagle, but then there's people in New Orleans that love him as a New Orleans Saint. He just played that long and that well for two different organizations in the NFL. And as you mentioned, it's more than football for him. He just had a book, I think, that came out. Yeah. And he is a large and active voice in, in the community, just about all social issues. and. I think he's just a, a great young man and at this point uh, just a full man, I guess. Yeah. He's been around for so long, but so many people and fan bases love him. So. Yeah. You, you remember Malcolm, don't you? Yeah, one of the... Being a big Ohio State aficionado. Yeah, a guy that, that you looked up to and, and uh, secondary that he feared nobody. And I think that's one of the, the joys of watching him play is like no matter where he was lined up, you knew that, that he could get it done. Yeah. You know? uh, kind of like... A, I don't want to compare him to like a player, but like, I don't know, kind of when I was younger is like the first NFL safety that I think of when it's like head hunting and, but not in a bad way. And just like always imposing their will is like Ed Reed and Brian Dawkins. And then Malcolm Jenkins, I feel like was one of those guys that just never got the credit of being one of those guys. I agree. And so I think that's important to note of like, he, he was that good. And we kind of forget, I think sometimes, not only that he was a Buckeye, kind of just let that slip by because he was in the NFL for so long you think of him again as an eagle or as a saint but first and foremost he's never forgotten that he was a Buckeye and I think that's important for a lot of people in this fan base yeah I mean he's even come back here and done food food handouts and things like that I mean I mean just a incredible human being is what Malcolm Jenkins is uh, Nick Mangold Nick Mangold was a freshman in 2002 but it was obvious as, as the season went on that he was that he deserved more playing time at that center position and he got it and played extensively uh, as the year went on, including in the national championship win over Miami uh, out in Tippie, Arizona. Uh, Nick Mangold, and he went on from there uh, to have a hell of a career at Ohio State before moving on to the New York Jets and becoming a fixture, not only New York Jets offensive line for years, uh, but also in the New York Jets community. And so here's our little conversation with Nick Mangold. Nick Mangold, in a nutshell, what does this mean to you? Uh, it's an honor, you know, um, coming here as a freshman, never know what to expect and um, to, to go 14-0, win a national championship, and then continue on and, and be able to go to the NFL for a long while. Uh, to come back home uh, to where it all started is pretty special. Did you envision this when you were playing at Ohio State, but you could be in the Ohio State Hall of Fame one no, day? No, no. Um, I was just playing and, you know, hoping not to, to lose my job. And, uh, you know, it was uh, never once in, in my, my thought process. When you just think back on your whole football career and everything you've accomplished in it, just what does it mean to you that you were able to have you know, not only a great career here, but also a great career for New York Jets? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think Ohio State is something special because that's what I wanted to do uh, growing up, you know, play for Ohio State. Uh, and Ohio State is the only level I won a championship at. I didn't win a Super Bowl and I didn't win a state championship. So um, having a national championship is pretty cool. Um, and so it's just something special, and you know, it was a springboard uh, to my career in the NFL, uh, which I'm pretty proud of. You remember that freshman year? You played a big role as the year went on and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. What was special about that specific year um, in, I, in your mind? For me, I mean, the team, uh, the coach, the, the, the games that we won, you know, the hard-fought games, uh, overtime in Illinois. Uh, sticks out in my mind. We played a lot that game, so that's why it sticks out. Um, yeah. And you know, being being underdogs, going into Miami, 
uh, in the Fiesta Bowl. And down Drew once on this when you have a shot uh, and getting it done. But what, was, what came what, what came right about that team, Nick? Like um, you said, it was your it was your championship, you know? Yeah, it was uh, it was a great senior leadership. You know, I think that um, between the coaching staff and the senior leadership and bringing us all along um, was what made it. You know, Mike Doss was a very special person to that team um, and it really helped lead the way. Speaking of that game real quick, I was just out of curiosity. That flyer, it wasn't pass interference. Uh, no, of course not. But the flyer <laughs> that, uh, that was so landing no, down to Miami, was that, was that really a thing, the flyer from down to Miami at the party? Is that really something you guys used? Uh, it's been so I long. I don't talk about it before, but I didn't know if that, I mean, if that was still just kind of a myth. Or you got to remember, I was, I was 18 at the time. Yeah. I don't I got you. <laughs> How about the Maurice Corrin thing? Were you all a little aware of what was going on around you out there? No. With the, yeah, I never got the, I never asked you. Yeah. yeah, no, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you try not to pry too much in different things, and so some things you miss and some things you catch. See, it's, we always think all these things affect you guys, and often they don't. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's the thing. As an NFL player, you are over the top, outstanding. What do you do now? I mean, what, 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 what do you fill your time with now from the standpoint of, uh, I don't know, getting that thrill or whatever it is you want to call it? That, you know, can you ever fill in that blank? Uh, yeah, I got four kids, and so being um, being a, the best dad that I can um, takes all my effort, and so that's uh, that's what I do. I try to win each day as a dad, and um, that, that's kind of how I turn my focus. I know you came back. Uh, some of them, yeah, yeah. not as much as I'd like to be. You know, staying up on the East Coast, um, kind of disconnected a little bit over there, but. Uh, you know, try to do the best I can. I know you went back to school a few years ago, got your degree here from Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Just what made that important to you? Uh, yeah, you know, just finishing out, uh, closing the chapter. Um, it hangs in my, my office, and so it's nice, and my mom really appreciates it. Uh, and so that was, that was probably a big, big push. Is yeah, there anything that's been able to done for you just in life that you accomplished from that? Um, yes. I won't elaborate, but yes. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Nick, no worries. Well, it's just a quick thought a quick memory of Nick Mangold as a football player Spitz I'll start with you this time just another one of those guys you don't want to say just another guy but another one of those guys in the long line of Ohio State centers all the attention that so many positions gets the defensive backs the wide receivers running backs at Ohio State even tackle like offensive line in particular the center spot man like yeah think of all of the Ohio State centers that have made an impact on the game and I think that's important to remember and Nick Mangold uh, is almost first and foremost of the names that you think of when it comes to a great Ohio State centers. Well, as far as his NFL career goes, it's hard to like stand out as a center sometimes. Yeah. And everyone knew who Nick Mangold was. One, he played for the Jets for so long. I mean, he was just a face of that franchise. Two, his hair is <laughs> hard to miss, right? Yeah, he's kind of trimmed it back a little bit. Yeah, yeah I kind of gave him a little grief about it. He that. should have been like the predecessor to Troy Palomalu on the Head and Shoulders yes. advertisement. Uh, because, yeah, I think just an icon in terms of football and what he did for the New York Jets. I know, you know they weren't always a great team when he was there, but he was just a fixture of that organization at a professional level. Yeah, and I've, I've said this many times, but uh, Nick Mango is one of the more intelligent players I think I've covered at Ohio State also. I mean, he and he's witty. Uh, he's, he likes to have a good time. But, boy, he will ground and pound a defense, defensive lineman's head into the ground. I mean, he was that kind of nasty player when he had to be uh, as a football player. And of course he parlayed, you know, his, like you said, his locks, uh, his charm uh, into uh, making money off the field and still doing that and living in New Jersey, New Jersey, uh, you know, near the New York area, New York uh, City area. So yeah, one of my favorite players I ever covered at Ohio State, he and uh, 
he and Malcolm Jenkins definitely. Now here's Rick Middleton, a guy I didn't cover, but a guy I definitely identify with. Man, uh, that 1973 team, he was a captain uh, on that team. And uh, that was pound for pound, uh, point for point, in, in the running for one of the, for, the, for the greatest, in the running for the title of greatest Ohio State football team, except for one game because they ran roughshod over everybody. Uh, they only gave up like, what, uh, 43 points, I think, in the regular season. Wow. 10 of those were to Michigan in that 10-10 tie when all of a sudden in the second half, they couldn't score, you know, couldn't get, couldn't get to the goal line to score points, but the defense never quit playing. Uh, then they ran roughshod 42 to 21 over USC, in my opinion, Ohio State's greatest victory in the Rose Bowl from the standpoint of just whitewashing the team. And that's exactly what they did. But let's get to my conversation with Rick Middleton. Late than never, getting into the Ohio State Hall of Fame, Rick Middleton. Hey, what I'm, do you happy, think? I'm happy to be part of Ohio State. Yeah. You know, and when you get a Hall of Fame to me, you give it to the entire team because we were a team. Yeah. Tell, tell me about that 73 team because I think a lot of people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be saying this later, but a lot of people think that might have been the best, maybe one of the, maybe the best team ever assembled at Ohio State. Well, he always said it was his best team right. he ever had. And I look at the program for the night, and there's 14 people in the Hall of Fame here now that are on the 73 team. And to me, that says a lot. Yeah. And to be honest with you, you know, I'm getting an honor tonight, but it's, really, it's just a team. Yeah. We were a team. And we, we had some good individuals, but we, we played well as a team. And it was a great bunch of guys. I was going to say, except for one game, Y'all drilled everybody, including oh, yeah. USC in the in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. What stands out most about that year was it was it the, the drilling everybody or the one game that got away? And it uh, really didn't get away. It was a it was a tie. Part of it is just we knew we were good enough to beat anybody. We didn't care who came on the field. We played anybody who wanted to come out there. Yeah. The biggest issue for us was how bad we we're going to beat them. And with that game with a 10-10 tie. We had some obstacles up there. You're playing one in, a, in Michigan. Yep. You're down touchdown right there, I think. And we just, we should have won. We were a better team. Uh, they were smart enough to send us to the Rose Bowl, and then we showed the Rose Bowl what kind of team we had. Yeah. Were you, do you remember being on pins and needles waiting for that vote that the athletic directors had? I was. I didn't think we were going to go. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because you'd been the year before? Right. Yeah. We'd been the year before. In fact, I was on Woody's show uh, that Saturday night. Yeah. And he asked me about going to Rose Bowl, and I was, I don't think we're going to be going. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We might go, ah, coach, we went last year and didn't turn out too well. So I'm not too sure if they're going to want to say this again. But, golly, what is it like to get a second shot, so to speak? You know what yeah. I mean? And, and uh, what was it like waking up at Christmas? And then, number two, y'all took care of business ridiculously. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when you got guys like Archie out there and, and Pete Johnson and Corey Green, and defensively, you know, we have all these guys who are so dead. We have Neil Colsey, Randy Bradshaw, uh, Arnie Jones, and I get nearly as much credit yeah. as he should. Uh, we just, we didn't care. You know, we wanted, we wanted to go out there and beat somebody, and thankfully it was USC again. Yeah, y'all actually threw passes in that game. Go figure. I, I know. Fred Puggish caught a couple. I was shocked. It was stunning. Uh, you know, I, always made, I always make a thing. My sophomore year was tied in, and I tied for the team lead in touchdown catches. Dick Wakefield had one also. Yeah. That's <laughs> so great. two for the entire year. Uh, we didn't throw the ball too much. Yeah. One, one last thing. When you watch football today, how much does it look like what y'all played? Because, I, I mean, y'all had a fast defense. 
you know, y'all could have spread the field. You know what I mean? Like teams are doing now. You showed in the Rose Bowl what y'all could do offensively. You kind of let it loose a little bit. But do you, what do you see is the biggest difference, I guess? There's just so many specialties now. Yeah. I mean, we were on the field. We had 11 guys on the field, say 11 guys. We're first down, second down, third down, virtually every single time. Yeah. Nowadays, you really can't do that. I mean, they bring out three guys, four guys. They run a 4 three forty. You know, and, and you got to have different people on the field. It, it's just the dynamics of the game have changed a lot. You know, it's just it's, it's a big difference, I think. Besides the obvious guys, you, you kind of talked about this, Arnie Jones. But is there somebody from that team that hadn't gotten to do their due from besides, that '73 team? Besides Arnie, uh, yeah. Geez, I mean, you know, you know about you know John Hicks. Well, think, okay, think of Steve Luke. Yeah. Steve Luke started the '73 Rose Bowl game at center. He started the '74 Rose Bowl game defensive back. That's a big jump. That is a big jump in position placement. I mean, there's somebody you don't care that much about, but there's a great athlete right there. Hey, I got one more for you. I've always been wanting to ask you this. Was it Anthony Davis that, that dove at the one-yard line, yeah. and I think you hit him in the air? Yeah. Did he score? Uh, yeah, I think he did. Is that one of the reasons? Oh, you think he did? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Yeah, they – I think he stand over top of me a couple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 73 game, I know he stand over top of me yeah. a couple of times. You right, up, I remember you hitting him in midair. It was, it was, you know, it was, it was a stunning hit. And you kind of, you had an argument, uh, not an argument, but a conversation with an official there. And I just thought, you know, I argued a lot. Replay <laughs> might have changed everything, right? Yeah, I had a lot of discussion with officials on the field sometimes. Yeah. I think one of, one of the funniest things I ever had was we played Michigan State my senior year, and they beat us the year before, yeah. and. They ran a play, and there was a penalty, and and they got the ball in our 48-yard line. And I took the penalty and moved him back, you know. Yeah. And I know, of course, uh, George Hill yelling at me, and, and Woody was yelling at me. Now, let him have the play. I mean, gain three yards. You know, let him have the play, take the down. And I said, my ass, they're not going to go on our side of the field. You know, that's the only time they are on our side of the field the entire day and moved him back with that penalty. Wow. That, that's, and I think the whole guy, I think the other ten guys on the field were saying the same thing. Those ass, excuse me, those asses do not deserve to have their ball on our side. Okay, now that you're bragging a little bit, I want to ask this: Was that as good a defense as you've ever seen? You guys, I, I think it was the best. We gave up 43 points yeah. in ten games, and that was with leading by 30, 40 points at the end of the game. You got second, 13 guys out there, and we scored 42 on defense. Kickoff returns, punt returns, interception returns, those kind of things. So even without offense, even without Archie, we had down by one point. You know? so we were we were a good team. Again, I emphasize that concept: good team. We had good guys everywhere. Thank you. I enjoyed that uh, conversation with Rick Middleton. I also enjoyed getting to talk to the 1973 team. Uh, although I felt like it was I was in one of those, uh, you know late 1890s western bars you know it was so raucous uh the little setting they had there and, and people giving it back to me as i was giving it to them it was it was a fun time rick had to miss that he helped organize it, but he had to miss it because he was at the hall of fame dinner but uh ladies and gentlemen that was one of the great teams in history as i told you before woody hayes called it his best overall team just because of the way they dominated on both sides of the ball with the exception of one game and you know which game the game, the 10-10 tie, which kept that team from winning the national championship. Most people don't remember. Yeah. Uh, Alabama played Notre Dame in the Sugar Bowl that year. Notre Dame beat Alabama and uh, won the national championship, was voted the national champion, which I thought was funny because Notre Dame in 1966 
tied Michigan State and uh, won a national championship despite the tie. You know, I think Woody got robbed. What do you think? You think Woody got robbed in 1973? Probably, but I think there's also 50 years of hindsight to show us that the 1973 game, uh, in my opinion, and this is as a 26-year-old person who will be 27 very soon, but still do not have the uh, bona fides to maybe make this statement, but I think the 1973 game against Michigan did more for the rivalry than any game in history. Um, I don't think the rivalry would be what it is today without the 73 game, without the coin flip, without the uh, the all-out brawl uh, verbally in the newspapers, um, on TV stations between Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler, the height of the greatest coaching rivalry that this sport has ever seen, and the height of the best rivalry in all of sports. That 1973 game did more for the rivalry and for both programs as powers in the Midwest than anything possible could have. So I will take not having 1973 up there in the rafters in exchange for making the end of November what it is today. That is exactly what I told that team on, fr on Friday night. I said, you know, that, that game did so much for the rape. It got my attention. I was living still in, in Texas and I was a 19-year-old first-year sports editor, 19-year-old first-year sports editor for the Lufkin News. And remember watching every play of that game and going, I got to see one of these games one of these days, man. So I moved up here in 1976 to finish college uh, at, at The Ohio State University, although I, I never finished. But that's another story, as John Pelucci would say, seven years of college down the toilet. But, uh, but the bottom line is you're exactly right uh, what that did. And it also, as I told them, in, in, a, in a way, that, that team and that game helped, I thought, keep the dialogue going. And basically the dialogue was even going on then about a playoff even way back then. And that just threw another log on that fire about having a playoff where you play for a national championship in the terms of, not it's not just voted on by polls, poll voters, coaches and, and sports writers, you actually play for it. And we finally got to that in a total basis in 1998. But uh, what do you think about, uh, about that 73 team? A Andy, I know you weren't doing a, a thesis on it, but uh, <laughs> it did kind of set the tone it was the epitome of the 100-yard uh, war, of the 10-year war between uh, Bo Schembechler and Woody Hayes. Yeah, foundational moment for this rivalry. Also, just all those Woody Hayes teams. I mean, just like someone coming to Ohio for the first time last year and just like taking it all in about what Woody Hayes is and who he was and everything he did for this program. Who's that Why is that statue in front of the Woody, uh, Woody Hayes Athletic Center, right? Go ahead. I mean, you hear about it. Like, obviously, as just a football fan, you know who Woody Hayes is come in here. But, yeah. like, to learn all about it and to, to basically, like, listen about it has been really, really fascinating uh, to me. And I think that 73 team, from everything I've heard about, from everything I've read about, was foundational uh, for this program. And also just for what Ohio State is today yeah. and the standard that they have here. Hey, yeah. Tim, uh, before except, we... Except Ohio State throws the ball a hell of a lot more yeah. than that team did. Yeah. Before we move on from the Woody Bow thing, yeah. uh, let's just remind everybody watching, Bo Beckler did win a national championship. He just had to do it at Ohio State. Good point. <laughs> Was that 1961? Yeah. See, I don't count that one because Alabama won that one. I think well, that was a National Football Foundation. No, I'm just joking. They can count it all they want. Then Bo Schembechler has none. You know what's funny about Ohio State and the way they count and don't count national championships is they count 1970 uh, as a national championship. Yet, when Ohio State won in 2002, the actual official 
the actual official recount of the game by Ohio State, you know, in the sports information department said, for the first time in 34 years, Ohio State won a national championship. You follow my drift? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But 1961, that team was robbed because it didn't get to go to the Rose Bowl. Fellas, there was a time in Ohio State history when the faculty and group voted not to send Ohio State to the Rose Bowl because they thought football was getting too big for its britches. Huh. 1961, Paul Warfield and others were on that team, did not go to the Rose Bowl. Can you imagine Ohio State turning down the toilet bowl in Flushing, New York uh, anymore? You understand what I'm saying? And number two, look what football especially is bringing to this school and to this athletic department from a revenue standpoint. It's crazy how times have changed. Go agreed? Yeah, it shifts entirely. This helps the university in terms of the academic side of things. It helps just, in all kinds of ways. Yeah, yeah. the money. Yeah, I mean, just not Every only the time. money, the, the recognition. Right. Uh, I think that, I mean, I remember it's like the, the Flutie effect, right? Yeah. Uh, from Boston College, but also other schools, you know, Villanova basketball, all these schools, you benefit off your athletic teams doing well. And I think it's just crazy to, to hear that because it's shifted so yeah. much. Yeah. The dialogue of that. I agree. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this one up. I appreciate you two fellas joining me in my McLaren F1 here, me sitting in the middle where the driver's seat is. You ever seen that car? Have you ever seen that car? I have no clue what yeah. that is. It's Sounds cool. a beautiful production uh, sports car, <clears throat> which I've always lusted for, but we'll never have. We'll probably never even get to drive. Unless maybe I go out to Las Vegas and do that little thing they've got out there, but that's a, that's a story for another day. But you know what? Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, uh, and boys and girls, Appreciate my two friends from Little Monroe joining me again on the Tim May Show. We'll see you next week. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in 
West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 